I'd like to take a minute of your time to let you know what you can do to help Recovery Radio continue its mission as a premier provider of free ongoing support to recovering people worldwide. Recently, our expenses have skyrocketed. The increase is powered by our increasing bandwidth and storage needs caused by the growing popularity of our programs. This is actually a good problem to have as it shows that we are filling a need as we continue our mission to serve the recovery community. However, even good problems are problems that need resolutions and this is where you come in. Recovery Radio has started a fundraiser to help defray our additional costs. Please surf on over to recoveryradio.net and click the donate button. Give whatever amount you can and rest assured your donation will be used to keep Recovery Radio on air and on mission. Please become part of the solution and help us support the recovery community. Good morning. <laughs> I am very glad to see you all here on this beautiful Sunday morning. Um, the uh, Wow, this is loud, isn't it? All right, I'll step back here. Uh, this workshop will be a little bit different from uh, some of the others in that uh, I, I think of it more as sort of a, a participatory meeting. So um, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, there will be time uh, uh, throughout the, the workshop for you all to share. But because we're being taped, I'll ask you to come up to the podium um, for your comments. And I'd like to give you just a, a tiny bit of background into how this came to be. Uh, sometime last year, I was at uh, a meeting, one of my regular meetings, and uh, as happens very seldom, but occasionally, the person who was signed up to speak that day didn't show up, and the chairperson asked if I would share. And, uh, and I said, yes, I would. And so being unprepared, I thought, you know, I had, had had the thought in the back of my mind for a while that our opening and our closing that we read at every meeting, for me, um, contains some of the most powerful words that we hear. And maybe you're like me, that you hear them time and time again, and they just sort of wash over you, and you kind of miss what's said. I do that uh, all the time. So, uh, so I ended up talking uh, on the opening and closing tour meeting, and um, just received a lot of uh, positive feedback uh, of what's here. I think it's really great. So I shared this with you today, um, and invite you to, as I said, later there'll be time for you to come up to share with me your thoughts about it. Uh, and I've entitled it, Let's Begin the Meeting with a Moment of Silence, because I don't know about your readings, but that's uh, always the first phrase that I hear from the chairperson. And I don't know if you attend meetings uh, like I do, where sometimes they'll say, uh, we're going to start with a moment of silence, followed by the serenity prayer, and before you can take a breath, we're saying the serenity prayer, right? <laughs> so um, what I have come to really appreciate uh, in this program is silence. Somebody uh, once said that we speak when we are uncomfortable with the silence. That we talk when we begin to be uncomfortable with our thoughts. And uh, we actually had a, a, a meeting last night, and there was a fair bit of silence in the meeting. And, um, you know, I speak for myself. Initially, that's always uncomfortable. Because being the good Al-Anon would love to say, I always want to fill the silence. And I always think it's my job to do it because, obviously, who else will? And that's kind of how I find you all uh, thinking it was my job. Um, so, uh, so I've just really come to enjoy uh, those moments of silence. And some of you may know that Lois W., uh, our co-founder, 
about Haman. You was asked once what she did during the moment of silence at the beginning of the meeting. And she said, I asked God to come to the meeting. And I thought that was really great. I, I love that. Um, uh, a speaker that I love, Bob D. from, uh, I believe, Las Vegas, um, uses a prayer that's uh, something like this. God, I ask that you now help me to forget everything I think I know about me, about you, and about my program, so that I might be open to learning more about me, about you, and about my program. And I think that's a wonderful prayer to start with as well. Um, one of my favorite uh, writers, Eckhart Tolle, says that stillness is the language God speaks, and everything else is a bad translation. And uh, I, I love that, too, because I believe that, um, that when we make room for God, God shows up. And if we're busy and not making any room, uh, it's, it's a little harder, maybe not for God to show up, but for me to be aware that God has shown up. So then we follow that moment of silence with the serenity prayer. And, you know, I think the serenity prayer deserves its own workshop, and so I'm, I'm not going to even try to decipher it much, uh, except to say, uh, actually, two nights ago, around the fire pit outside, I heard a wonderful, uh, what I call misreading uh, of the serenity prayer. Some of us uh, have heard things over and over again, and sometimes they're said, quote, unquote, wrong, or sometimes we just develop a better idea. Of course, we're Alamans. We always have a better idea. But I love this, uh, and this woman shared, uh, you know, God, grant me the serenity to accept the people I cannot change. Right? Courage to change the one I can, and wisdom to know it's me. Yeah. Another misreading that I love is, God, grant me the serenity to expect the things I cannot change. <laughs> but one of the things that I have um, experienced with the serenity prayer in the beginning of the meeting is that, of course, depending on what's going on in my life, it, it, it tends to direct my thoughts in one direction or another. But sometimes I use that serenity prayer uh, talking about, or at least it reminds me of, or God reminds me of, the meeting. You know, um, they say if you haven't been to a bad meeting, you haven't been to enough meetings. Uh, I don't know. I don't attend too many bad meetings these days, but I know often when I think it's a bad meeting, it's because I just haven't gotten in the right place spiritually. You know, I'm just not on my spiritual being. And so the Sunday prayer just helps me be open, uh, if I'm willing to pray it that way, to, to be present and to hear what's being said and not judge what I'm being heard about. Uh, what I'm hearing, who's saying it, um, that kind of thing. Okay, so then it says, we welcome you to this meeting. Insert your home group if that's uh, the way we do it. We welcome you to this meeting of the Alamon family groups and hope you will find in this fellowship the help and friendship we have been privileged to enjoy. Two we's in that little paragraph. Uh, and I don't know about you, but when I got here, I was not part of any we that I ever wanted to belong to. Uh, we was practically a dirty word in my vocabulary. And today, that is my favorite word in our opening, in our closing, and in our steps. Because the power of we to me is, man, uh, has been absolutely amazing since I first walked in here. Um, I'm told that when you change I to we, 
ill becomes well. So if my focus or if my solution is I, I'm ill. And if my solution or focus is we, I start to become well. And perhaps like some of you, when you came in, if you were focused on he, then you're in hell. Uh, I just throw that out there for what it's worth. So it says that the help and friendship that we have been privileged to enjoy, and, and I don't know about you, but again, my experience is that those things are in order. I didn't come here and start to be good friends with any of you, because I didn't like you very much when I first showed up. I didn't like too many people, of course. But um, I didn't come in here and, and start to, to earn uh, or participate in friendships. But I did get help right away. And that help, because it was given with such love and such openness and such availability, became friendship. And there was no way in my experience, that, that that wasn't going to happen, that, that the help was not going to lead to friendship. Um, my sponsor has taught me that I need to use a dictionary from time to time because in my arrogance, I think I know every word defined perfectly. And, you know, I may use a word in a sentence and know how to use it intelligently, but what I find is when I look it up in the dictionary, I always get a new insight which often will help me with recovery. And so I looked up the word privilege, and it says, an advantage, right, or benefit not available to everyone. Wow. That tells me that the help and friendship that I find in these rooms is not available to everyone, that I'm special, in essence, for having this. Well, so what qualifies me to have this privilege? Knowing and loving an alcoholic. Again, I don't know about you, but when I came here, knowing and loving an alcoholic was far from a privilege in my mind, right? But today, it has been, I think, probably the single greatest blessing of my life, because it, it led me to find you all. Um, then it says, we who live or have lived with the problem of alcoholism understand, as perhaps a few others can. Um, you know, when I got to my first meeting, um, that was the thing that kept me coming back because uh, you'll hear more of this later this morning, but I, I did not walk into my first meeting and think this is where I belong. It was uh, very, very different. But there was something in your eyes and certainly when you started sharing in your stories that let, let me know that you did understand, that you had been through and were going through similar things. Uh, from what I was going through. It says, we too were lonely and frustrated. And when I heard those words, like, that's amazing. They knew exactly how I feel. Lonely and frustrated. By the time I got to you all, my life had become so small, alienating friends and family. And you know, I was thinking, I was sitting there at this table yesterday, and um, uh, Mike was reading the AA traditions, and was reading Tradition 3, and so whoever was reading the traditions, uh, Tradition 3 in AA, I believe, says something like the only requirement for membership is the desire to stop drinking. And when he said that, instantly I thought, the only desire for membership in Al-Anon is the desire to stop shrinking. When I got here, I was so tiny, and, and I felt like I weighed eight pounds. It was, it was just a shell. I was empty. I was empty. And the fact that you, in your opening of your meeting, 
named in two short words exactly how I felt, lonely and frustrated. It was amazing to me. Why was I frustrated? How do you get frustrated? By trying to do something you can't do. Right? The absence of the knowledge of powerlessness. That's it. That's it. That's frustration to me. I didn't know I was those things, and I certainly wouldn't have told you I was those things when I walked in. Most of the time, if you ask me how I was, I was fine. And there's usually two or three F's at the beginning. Fine. I'm fine. Which we know stands for frustrated, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. That's how I was. So then it goes on to say, yeah, uh, we discover that no situation is really hopeless. That's a big promise. That, that, that's, it doesn't say most situations. It doesn't say some situations. It says no situation. And, and where does that hope come, you know, come from? It comes from hearing other people's experience. Some of you uh, will figure out very quickly I'm a big fan of acronyms, um, some of which I've made up and some of which I just heard in the rooms. But to me, that's hope, H-O-P-E, hearing other people's experience. And that's what I get, and that's where I get my hope. And that it is possible for us to find contentment and even happiness whether the alcoholic is still drinking or not. Really? <laughs> that was amazing to me. Uh, and again, in my dictionary, I look up contentment and I find a feeling of calm satisfaction. Hmm. I was neither calm nor satisfied when I found you. Um, and the idea that, uh, that I could be content and have satisfaction. Where does that come from? That comes from acceptance. There was nothing in my life that I was accepting. I'm, I'm told acceptance is the answer to all my problems today, and that tells me that if acceptance is mine, then I will have contentment. That's just easy in my mind today. It wasn't then. Um, and the cool thing is that both of those are possible regardless of what the alcoholic is doing or not. We urge you to try our program. It has helped many of us find solutions that lead to serenity. Dictionary tells me serenity, a state of peace and calm, a lack of anxiety. Totally different from who I was when I came in here. So how do I find that serenity? Solutions. And what are the solutions? To me, the solutions are the steps and the principles of this program. And again, I don't know about you, but when I walked in, I didn't want to be handed, you know, a lifetime program <laughs> to contain those solutions. I wanted some solutions now. Thank you very much. Hand me the book. No, that one's too big. Give me a pamphlet. Too many words. Summarize, please. I've got places to be. Uh, it didn't work that way. So much depends on our own attitudes. How many of us hear that in a meeting and recognize, oh, my attitude is kind of bad today? <laughs> Uh, I heard a speaker once say, yes, hands, good, thank you. I heard, I heard a speaker say uh, once that, that attitude, if you look up in the dictionary, is uh, one of the definitions. It says this angle of approach. How do I approach this situation? That's my attitude. And before probably my attitude was always poor me. I mean, look, look, just look at what my life is like. Spend five minutes in my house, and you will feel sorry for me. My wonderful spouse uh, likes to nickname people, and for many years, my nickname was Victimina. <laughs> I earned it. 
Uh, a fun little exercise you can do sometimes is assign every letter of the alphabet a number. You know, A is 1, and B is 2, and C is 3. And then count up the mathematical equation of each word. And if you do that with the words knowledge, hard work, and attitude, you'll find that knowledge adds up to 96%. Hard work adds up to 98%. And attitude, you guessed it, equals 100%. Isn't that fun? So much depends on our attitudes. If you do it with the word bullshit, by the way, you get 103. <laughs> and ass kissing will get you all the way to 118. Just saying. Okay, so then it goes on. And as we learn to place our problems in their true perspective, we find they lose their power to dominate our thoughts and our lives. Aha. So my problem isn't that I have problems is that they're not in their true perspective. Because last time I checked, although I was in denial about this when I came into the meeting, you know, denial stands for don't even notice I am lying. Okay. I was in denial about the fact that because we live on planet Earth, we have problems. Hello. It's the human condition. So my problem isn't that I have problems. It's that I have my problems skewed in my mind. My perspective is off. Or as I'm told, I have... Alanonism and alcoholism, which is a disease of perception. Wonderful man named Chuck C., who I know many of you know of, uh, gave a great talk, and it's now in a book and tapes. I don't know maybe if you have these over here, but uh, you do. Good. Uh, a new pair of glasses. Go get it. You know, heaven, he was quoting somebody, I forgot who it was. Sometimes I think heaven is nothing more than just a new pair of glasses. How many times have you been in a situation and saw it one way and then your perception changed? And it was a completely different situation. The situation didn't change, but you changed. Right? We see the world not as we not as it is, but as we are. That is so powerful for me. Okay. Uh, so it goes on to say the family situation is bound to improve as we apply the Alamon ideas. And again, the words are so clear, and they're so powerful. It doesn't say the family situation is likely to improve. It doesn't say it might improve, bless you. Um, it, it says it's bound to improve, meaning it's gonna. Can't, you can't not, to use a wonderful double negative, um, if you apply the Alamon ideas. And I find that with the sex or with um, the, the opening closing here too. Sometimes what is more powerful is what is not said. It doesn't say this, the, the, the family situation is bound to improve once we become familiar with the Alanon ideas, or once we learn them, or once we become eloquent about them, or even as we understand them. It says as we apply them, which is a verb, which is an action. Action. Any change to improve our nature. Acronym. Action. I, uh, I love this little story that I heard from somebody that said, you know, it's, it's like you get a recipe for a chocolate cake. And somebody says, I want that chocolate cake. Is it a good recipe? It's a great recipe. Okay, here it is. Read it. Okay, got it. Flour, sugar. Making something better. Sugar, candy, okay, chocolate. 
Good. Right? Where's your cake? What do you mean? Oh, I don't have cake. Well, I'll read it again. Read it 16 times. Memorize it. Got it. I'm an expert on this recipe of chocolate cake. But until I take the action of putting this stuff in a bowl and mixing it up and sticking it in the oven, I don't have a chocolate cake. I just got the information. I got the blueprint for it. But I don't have it. Not without the, not without the action. So then it goes on and it says, without such spiritual help, living with an alcoholic is too much for most of us. I cannot tell you the relief that I heard in those words. Because I thought something was wrong with me that living with an alcoholic was too much for me. But there were rooms full of people who said, no, that's been our experience too. Living with an alcoholic is too much for us without spiritual help. Not without legal help, emotional help, psychological help. Medical help. I mean, there were, I don't know about you, we tried in our house all sorts of kinds of help, except spiritual help. And you all told me, it will be too much for you, no matter what you do, unless what you do is seek spiritual help. Our thinking becomes distorted by trying to force solutions, and we become irritable and unreasonable without knowing it, or sometimes knowing it damn well, as somebody I know says. Um, so my problem is that I force solutions. And, you know, I won't take time to say all the solutions that I try to force, but for me, the, the word here is force. It's against somebody's will. And I know today, if you don't want to get well, I can't want it for you. And that's true for the alcoholics in my life. That's true for the newcomers in my meeting. That's true for everybody. If you don't want it for yourself, it doesn't matter how much I try to force it, it ain't going to work. The Alamon program is based on the 12 steps adapted from Alcoholics Anonymous, which we try little by little, one day at a time, two clauses because we need them real thick, little by little, one day at a time to apply to our lives, um, along with our slogans and the serenity prayer. Again, slogans deserve their own workshop. I'm not going to touch on those today, but um, what a huge help. The loving interchange of help among members and the daily reading of Alamon literature thus make us ready to receive the priceless gift of serenity. I love that it mentions Al-Anon literature. Um, of course, when I found you all, I had no Al-Anon literature, no experience with Al-Anon literature. I had never read or heard of Al-Anon literature. I did, however, have about five, six dozen books of self-help that filled my shelves, some of which I actually read, uh, including my favorite one titled, Getting Them Sober. It's a real book, folks. It's called Getting Them Sober, Volumes 1 and 2. <laughs> they are in my closet today. They are in the back. Uh, I haven't picked them up, thank God, for many, many years. Um, but I keep them as, as a relic. So, um, anyway. Al-Anon is an anonymous fellowship. Everything that is said here in the group meeting and member to member must be held in confidence. Only in this way can we feel free to say what is in our minds and hearts. For this is how we help one another and how And I love that it talks about anonymity. It never says, you know, you can't know my last name. Uh, it doesn't say, you know, I have to hide and, and not, get, uh, not get known, not have you get to know me. What it says, and it spells it out very clearly, that what is said here stays here. In the good meeting and member to member. So... If I stand at a podium and share something with you that's very personal about what's going on in my home, 
I trust, I get to trust that it stays here. And if one of you comes to me after the meeting and shares something personal with me, you get to trust that I'm not going to go talk about you and that thing to someone else. Sometimes I hear great things in meetings and I want to pass them on. Sometimes I hear someone struggling and it's an, it's an incredible story that, that ends in uh, you know, triumph and the solution. And I will share that, but I will share that anonymously. I will not share your name. And the practice, the spiritual practice of anonymity has taught me many things. Probably the most important of which is humility. And I, I, again, this to me is its own workshop, and I just want to touch very quickly on it. But what anonymity says to me mostly is that it's not about me. And when I came into these rooms, everything was about me. The alcoholics drinking was about me. The, uh, the weather and your reaction to it was about me. If you were in a good mood or a bad mood, it was about me. If I did something great, it was about me. It didn't matter good or bad, it was about me. And what anonymity has taught me is that when I don't take the credit, guess who gets it? God. So if, you know, if I accidentally happen to drop a 20 in the basket as it goes around for the seventh tradition, I don't put my initials on it. It goes in there anonymously, and somebody goes, wow, God was really good to us today. I love the topic of anonymity, and um, more in another year. So um, we are at about the halfway mark, and what I would like to do now is open the, the podium up to you all for some questions and comments. Um, I see maybe except one of two of the tables don't have these yellow flyers, but there are some yellow flyers with uh, about 20 uh, points for discussion. The first half of the page, and I think maybe the first question on the back, is about the opening, which is what I just talked about. So if any of you have comments or questions, please come up now. Uh, we'll try to not leave a, a lot of uh, empty space on the tape here. And, um, and we'll do that for about uh, 10 minutes or so before uh, we then go to the closing. Anybody have some comments? Good. Come up, please, to the, to the podium. We'll get your mic. If you, if you want to line up here so we don't uh, waste time and, again, leave a lot of blank space on the tape, just come and line up at the stairs and we'll get you in. Thank you. This is for short people, right? Yeah. Okay. I, I'm Gail. I haven't been around long in Alan and about two months or so. But I did hear something at that other 12-step group. Uh, they were quoting Lois, and you can let me know if this is wrong. What he said is, is something familiar to me. She said, I invite God into the meeting. You see, the speaker said, God is a gentleman. He doesn't come in where he's not welcome. And he, no, he won't come in if he's not invited. And he won't stay if he's not welcome. And my sponsor, when she's inviting God into the meeting, will go like this. And when she first said uh, that, but because she's a bad gospel. <laughs> I think that's good. I'm going to stay around. Good morning. My name is Brenda. I'm a very grateful member of the Worldwide Fellowship of Alan family groups. 
Um, I had to make myself some notes here. And I looked at these questions, and I'm like thinking, you know, is this like the 20 questions to decide if you belong or you need to go to Al-Anon? And I'm like, you know what? I had to read through these. I didn't read all of them. But the last one, share an example of how the understanding, love, and peace of the program is growing in you one day at a time since you first came to Al-Anon. I hate microphones. <laughs> Thank you. I want to tell you that I knew absolutely no doubt in my mind before I got here that I belong in the rooms of Alabama. I was married to someone that had a drinking problem, and I, I had never heard about Al-Anon. I had not heard of Al-Anon, so I called the local mental health and made an appointment and went in for counseling. And after a few meetings, um, we were, my husband decided that he would go to an intensive outpatient group. And as a part of that, I went to family night. And the first meeting of family night, this counselor did the genogram. And I had the first spiritual awakening that I can remember having in my life. And when he asked for volunteers to do the genogram, I don't like to speak in front of people, but I held up my hand and I went and done my genogram. So I knew absolutely, no doubt in my mind, that I belonged. And later that week, on Friday, I went to my very first Al-Anon meeting. And that first meeting was on the first step. And one thing that I can tell you is, is that I knew I was powerless over alcohol. The part that was hardest for me was my life was unmanageable. I did not realize that it was all about someone else. To keep the focus on me was a whole new thing for me. But one thing that I can tell you is that I kept coming back. And I feel the energy. I feel the energy and the rooms around you people. You people. You people give me the love and peace and serenity that I've never known. I have a family, a Bellington family, but my other family here is the greatest family that I've ever known. I was still on mission fine. I was fine when I got here, but you know, today, thanks to you people, I can't tell you what that first letter, what I would call that. Okay? Today, I'm a spiritual being having a human experience. And I understand that today. Today, I can quiet my mind 
and open my heart. Because today, I use God. I use good, orderly directions. Thank you.
so I have to take that moment to go, you know, to remember, to remind myself that I don't know everything so that I can use what I'm hearing. And um, I found this situation that improved by applying all of my ideas was um, with my daughter, who's not the alcoholic. Um, but I had become so controlling um, that I had to make sure to do everything my way to the grown daughter, of course not a little girl that I should be taking responsibility for. And so um, I had to uh, learn how to let her live her life. And um, a big part of that was realizing that I'm not responsible for her every moment of life, um, nor my grandchildren, and that uh, God's the one in charge of her, and that I needed to let go, let God. Um, and the thing is that now we have a good relationship. She, um, Loves me in Leah on her wedding plans. She invited me to her ultrasound next week when I knew her spare child, and um, none of that would have been possible without what I learned here. And, and, and that's applying these principles to anyone in my life, not just um, an alcoholic. Thank <laughs> you. 
Let's do one more uh, for the first half, and then we'll get to the closing. Hello, my name is Bob. I'm a grateful member of Al-Anon. Uh, I just felt compelled to share two things with you real quick about anonymity. Uh, I was fairly new in the program, and we had a young lady come in, and like all of us, she was at the bottom of the road. She was fighting for custody of her children. She was ready to go through the divorce and that. And I don't know, I must have said something that struck her in the meeting. Because after the meeting, she approached me, and she wanted to know if it was okay if she called me. I could talk to me. And, you know, I know this is good, and that's how we work in Al-Anon. But I didn't need my phone ringing and my wife talking to some crying woman wanting to talk to Bob about her problems. I just didn't think it was appropriate for her to be able to call me at that time uh, or be a sponsor for the opposite sex, was my opinion. So the next week we had our meeting and asked her where she come up to me and says, well, Bob, since I can't call you, if I write you letters, would you answer me? <laughs> I says, you know, I says, I didn't want you to call me because you're going through a divorce and if your husband found out you were talking to another man on the phone, that would not be good for you. But let's not put it in writing. So he's got to So it was about two weeks later. This is the anonymity part. She's back in the food section of Walmart, and I'm up in the clothing section. All of a sudden, across Walmart, I hear, Hey, Bob, from Thursday night, Alanon, I want you to meet my kids. That's about my anonymity, just sprouted wings. <laughs> Not that I was worried about it, I'm, I'm proud to be here, and I, I would share everything. She never did come back to me. I told her then that I didn't care about my identity, you know, but maybe she didn't want hers out the, the situation she was in and like that. So that was that story of anonymity. The second story is every third Wednesday we have a joint meeting with AA. And there's either an Alan on or an AA speaker gets up and gives their lead. And Dick Chang was giving his lead. And one of the first things he said, he looked out there, and he says, this anonymity thing, he says, my last name is Jones. You know, he says, if Bob back there went into the hospital and I wanted to go see him, I wouldn't even know to ask for And you know, as, as ironic as it is, two months later, I was in the hospital with my sister, and I, I, I seen one of the AA members, and they said, hey, Dick's upstairs in the hospital, you know, if you're here, you, know, you can go see him. And, you know, I went to see my sister now, and I come out, I just have to think, I didn't know his name. I didn't remember what his last name was. And I had to text another Al-Anon member to find out his last name so I could go visit him. What he had prophesied come true, pulling in reverse. Thank you very much. Okay, so we say, in closing, I would like to say that the microphone has really got a mind of its own this morning. Let's see how that works. Uh, I did stand maybe over in Wisconsin. Uh, in closing, I would like to say that the opinions expressed here were strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. And I don't remember your name that was up here. Take what you like and store the rest. Gets my vote. 
I, um, this is just my opinion, okay? So, again, please take what you like and leave the rest. But my opinion is this is one of the most dangerous things we hear. Because I hear it applied to steps. I hear it applied to, you know, well, my sponsor suggested this, but I take what I like and leave the rest. For me, for me, this applies to what I hear people say in meetings. And certainly something that I say you will disagree with or maybe even violently disagree with, please take what you like and leave the rest because I am not here in any way, shape, or form as, uh, as an expert on Alan far, far, far from it. But when it comes to the steps, when it comes to the traditions, when it comes to what my literature tells me, when it comes for me to what my sponsor tells me, because I trust that my sponsor has my best interest at heart and has nothing but experience that has worked to share with me, or some experience that hasn't worked, she'll share with me too. Um, so anyway, I just, I, I leave that with you and, and thank you for the take what you like and store the rest, because I think that's super. Uh, the things you heard here were spoken in confidence and should be treated as confidential. Even within the walls of this room and the confines of your mind, you know, this, is, this is practicing the um, And I get to practice this also, like so many things that I learn in these rooms. I get to practice in my family and in my workplace. Take what you like and leave the rest. Then uh, it says a few special words to those of you who haven't been with us long. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. You know, that, that to me is why the steps are written in the past tense. It, you know, it, when I get here and it says, we admitted and we sought and we came to believe and all the things that are all in the past is because there are hundreds of thousands of people who have worked this before me and it's worked for them and that's why they keep coming back. If it didn't, the rooms would be empty. So to me, that's the point. And you all have been through a lot of what I've been through and when I walked into the rooms, you weren't sitting there sobbing like I was at my first meeting. You were smiling, and some of you, much as I hated it, were laughing. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm told laughter is the sound of recovery. And I love that our rooms are just filled with that sound. That says more to me than just about anything. Uh, if you try to keep an open mind, you will find out. Open mind, not something I came in here with. Uh, quiet your mind, open your heart. Uh, a lot of times I walked in, my heart was pounding, and my brain was shut, and so I needed to quiet my heart and then open my mind. Um, an open mind, for me, is the absolute antithesis of what uh, my isms, my outline isms, my character defects do. And again, when I am willing to be open, I think I, I start to make room for God. Um, a cloak out of the pores of vacuum, and wherever there is nothing, God will run in to fill it. And if I've already filled it with something else, which usually means, always means something less, then I miss out on an opportunity. Um, an open mind has taught me that, though I think I know, and I need to say I have a uh, crystal ball and I can predict anything that was coming up, Adelon has broken my crystal ball, which I'm thrilled for. Uh, I, I, know, I no longer know or pretend that I know what's coming. And in every case, that has meant something better than not only what I imagined, but even really what I could have asked for. 
You will come to realize that no situation is too difficult to be bettered, and no unhappiness too great to be lessened. We, we don't promise you that everything will be perfect. We don't promise you that you have no problems. Just that they'll be bettered, and that they'll be lessened. And then the line that sticks in the throat of most of us, we aren't perfect. <laughs> but what can we give you may not show the warmth we have in our hearts for you. My prayer for me is that that is not true. Sometimes it is. Like I'm a human being, and sometimes I arrive at my meeting spiritually centered, and I am, you know, Johnny on the spot with a newcomer. I'm handing them my card with my name on it and my phone number, and it says, "Happy to share my experience, strength, and hope with you." And I'm right there, and I'm willing to listen. And you know, I'm doing it great. And other days, something's on my mind, or maybe I have an appointment after the meeting that's really, really rare, but occasionally I have to duck out. Um, so I love that that line is there because it's our closet as you know what we're doing. And the wealth we give you may, may not, well, may not show the ones we have in our hearts for you. But you will come to love us, I say something. After a while, you'll discover that you, that though you may not like all of us, you'll love us in a very special way, the same way we already love you. Again, my experience, if I walked into the meeting, I felt loved. And it's probably the only time in my life that I walked into a room of complete strangers and felt loved. Have any of you ever had that experience anywhere except in these rooms? I felt loved. And so we have this slogan, let it begin with me. You know, I'd like to, I'd like to have my meeting be healthier. So let it begin with me. I'd like to live in a house where there's no argument. So, let it begin with me. I'd like to be in a more loving marriage. I'd like to be in a, in a more uh, light-hearted, humorous marriage. You name it. Let it begin with me. Talk to each other, reason things out with someone else. One of the most important gifts that I get here. Never had people to reason things out with before. Or they would just tell me what to do based on, you know, throw the bum out kind of thing. Um, reasoning things out with other people requires humility, requires intimacy. Those are things that were foreign to me, more than I can tell you, uh, when I came into these rooms. And of course, uh, for me, the most obvious example of this reason things out with someone else is sponsorship. You know, if you're in this program for more than a little bit and you don't have a sponsor, um, my opinion, you're missing the program. You're, it's like going to a foreign country not speaking the language, not having any idea where everything is, and not having a guide. How do you know what to see, where to go, what, what's worth doing, what's not worth doing, where are the pitfalls, what's dangerous, what's the highlight of what you're here for? Get a guide, get a sponsor. But let there be no gossip or criticism of one another. I think that pretty well speaks for itself. Whenever I hear it, or God forbid I participate in it, I remember we're all sick. You know, none of us come in here uh, without our own isms. But hopefully one of the first things we learn to do uh, is to not cause harm in and amongst ourselves. Because let's face it, it's hard enough, <laughs> you know, without us contributing to that in our lives. Um, instead, let the understanding, love, and peace of the program grow in you one day at a time. I love that we close our meetings with that. Um, you know, you'll, you'll hear uh, more of my story in a little bit. Uh, but when I came here, the person who taught me about or told me, I'm not Alan. Um, I, I, you know, like, like all things, I said, well, I, 
opinion that you all didn't help me. Uh, you know, I was a mess, and what could you possibly do? And she said to me, you didn't get to be the way you are in a day or a week or a month, and you're not going to get better in a day or a week or a month. But you just keep coming back, and you listen, and a day at a time, you will get better. Just a day at a time. A couple of years ago, I had um, the privilege of speaking at a conference in Wisconsin and for the thank you gift uh, on my way out. They gave me a clipping of the Swedish ivy plant that had come from the Swedish ivy plant, plant given to Bill W. in his hospital room shortly before he died. I was blown away and overwhelmed. And I'll tell you what, that plant is thriving today. But there's been times when it's... <laughs> It's times when it's well waxed and waned, we'll call it that, based on either if I ignore it or if I over-cared for it. That, to me, is, again, a, a, a core uh, principle that I learned through this program with my sponsors, through our steps. I get to care, but not to caretake. I get to love you, but not smother. Finding a balance. And that, again, just a day at a time. So we have a few minutes left. If uh, some of you have comments or questions that you'd like to share with us um, on the closing, basically the last, uh, the second page, second half of the page, please come up to the podium now and uh, close with your comments. Yes.
And now, people, you know, since I've been there a few days, will say to me, there's no way you would have been like that. Not 50. And I should talk to her. I'm going to have my friend over there because she's been with me through the whole thing. And Roberta, talk to them. They'll tell you about it. But this program saved my life. And it taught me how to live. That's part of living, is learning how to communicate. I just tell people that. I have a program that I have. I have, a, I have friends that I hang out with, and they taught me how to communicate. So thank you so much for this morning. Thank you. Hi, I'm Mary Ann, and it takes a lot of courage for me because we had a fear earlier at the conference, and I have discovered that my great spirit is being right here, right in this spot. So, <laughs> the one thing I want to say is when I heard uh, care, and not care take. I love that because my son got here and um, when he was in a treatment program, parents or kids were asked if the police came to a party house and took him in with your parents to meet you. And out of 14 children, my son said, heck no, heck no. She would tell me, I got myself in, get yourself out. As a result of that, one of the mothers at the end of the whole session <laughs> said, you know, I thought you were the biggest bitch I ever saw. <laughs> and at the end of the session, she said, you know what? I know now you love your son this much. But that was the hardest thing to do. It's like him live his life. And for him to say to me, Mom, don't say can't, say you won't. And that was real close to my life. So, thanks to this program, my child's alive. My child's alive. And I'm alive, and we're all happy. So, thank you. And thank you so much for your participation uh, in the workshop. Uh, it's been such a privilege to share with you. I, uh, I failed to mention that uh, the plant that the Bill W. plant is actually called, I don't know who named it, I think it was the Paxinon plant. And so what I have done and enjoyed doing is cutting off again the clipping uh, from time to time, giving out my sponsor uh, has one now, and her sponsor and her sponsor. And when uh, the people I sponsor pass five years, they get one. And, um, you know, today, passing on the program is truly, truly the absolute greatest joy of my life. And there are some other really great joys that I have. So um, the fact that this is on the top is a lot. So thank you for being here. Thank you for your participation. And uh, we'll see you in a little bit.